Composite Friday continues on. How are you? Welcome back to the Jason Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. And, man, I'm, Connor and I have been having a lot of fun at uh, PlayAlberta.ca with their new uh, boost bets. There's so many cool ones if you want to look at, uh, especially when you're coming up on the NFL, and they're going to have it all for the NHL season. They're actually going to be unveiling some new things in, in mid-October for, uh, for NHL to make it a lot more fun. Uh, people really get into prop bets. They're kind of nice when it gets into individual, right? You can do a $10 one here, there. So, uh, check out the boosts at, uh, playalberta.ca. And the great part about it is there's a limit on how much you can do. So, uh, you can protect yourself from yourself if, uh, if you need be. Check it out, playalberta.ca. It is, uh, Friday and that means, uh, Lori Ann Munzer, uh, joins us as she does, uh, in studio all the time, which is, uh, fantastic. Lori Ann, uh, good to see you again. How you doing? Good to see you. Doing awesome. It's Friday. How can you not be better than better? Yeah, it's good. Now it's perfect to have you in with the timing because of, uh, so I had an interview with Jay Woodcroft and he talked about how, you know, cause I'd asked him about, man, your players have put a lot of pressure on themselves and they have high expectations, which is good. It's good to have high expectations, but in a long season, you don't want to always be focused on it. You'll just be mentally burnt out. And he said he had a message that he wanted two things for them to concern themselves about. Number one was their day, whether it was a game day, a practice day, a day off, to do your best to ensure that you're maximizing your day, and which can help the team. And then the other one was the standard. They have a standard set in the organization. You know, they walk by it all the time. When they come in the room, there's the Stanley Cups. And he says, hey, that's our goal. So it's a reminder. And the standard is we want to do our best. There's no guarantee it's hard to win. So I want to, first of all, start about your day. And, you know, from an individual standpoint, you you know what? It's eating right. Make sure you're sleeping right. What are some other things that could ensure? And I want to do it on a game day because the rest day to me seems kind of easy. Right? Like, don't run around and go crazy. Like, that's one where it's easy Sometimes to do. Sometimes the rest day is the hardest yeah, it day. it might be, yeah. <laughs> that can be the hardest day. But really, you're looking at it with a big picture. You're looking at what does the whole week look like because one day builds to the next, to the next, to the next. And the rest day is part of the training, whether you've got one day or two day. When I was training, it was always Monday because... Friday, Saturday, Sunday, events, racing. Sometimes it was one day. So Monday was the start of the new week. But you always had to know where you were, be present on that day, deliver it, execute, do your best with everything that you're doing. And then that is going to set you up for the whole week. So, and you mentioned it's hard on the rest day because I'm assuming if you had a bad race or let's say the orders have a tough loss, on the rest day, well, I got to do something because that's the only way I can get better. Like we're wired that way. I know people that are just weekend warriors listening out here. They train. They're like, oh, I got to work out every day. If I don't work out every day, even though all the data tells you your body needs rest, you need to recover. Yeah. So outside of staying off your feet, which is like, what are other good things to do on a rest day that allows you to maximize it other than eating healthy? Well, number one, I took a number of courses. So are you doing some extra educational stuff or are you in school? Are you continuing that there? I also did some yoga training. And for me, that was encompassing the mental aspect, but the breathing aspect and the physical aspect. So it was just showing up as one. And there's times when you would do a class like that and you'd be on fire. Your head would be on the floor. Your feet would be wherever they were supposed to be. And you're in these crazy poses. But part of it is being in the moment, aligning with where you are and your breath. So for me, there was, I, I still felt like I was training. So that for me was a no brainer. 
And it's just, you have to find those things that you love to do that is also distraction therapy, but it's something that's going to move you in a positive way as well. It's not going to take away from your training, like you're on your feet all the day, you're running up and down stairs, maybe you're helping a buddy move, right? Probably not what you want to be doing. So you're always looking at how can this benefit me where I also am recovering, but I'm still maybe using more mental stuff in a different way. Something fun that I love to do. I know you work with uh, individuals, you work with groups and stuff. And so when it comes to the game day for NHL players, you know, people think, hey, they get up in the morning. Most days there's the morning skate. Some players take it. I've noticed the last few years there's not as many uh, who take the morning skate uh, anymore. And I can understand why you don't necessarily need it. Some like it, some don't. It's it's obviously their own opinion on what feels they'll know their body and what feels good about them. Treatment on it on a race day or a game day is imperative, right? And you learn certain things like maybe you get a massage four hours before. Maybe you like to eat four hours before because you feel better come game time. A lot of it's learning. And when you're in the NHL, you know, once you're established NHL player, you probably know these little things, but for people, how do you learn what works best on game day? <laughs> A lot of trial and error, totally trial and error. So you normally find out like, what are the best things that you do or you should be doing? And number one, I think it's really imperative that you write it down because how do you remember everything okay. you did like last week, two weeks ago, what worked, what didn't work. So I'm always a big proponent of writing it down because there's a certain order that is going to be just gold for you, but it may not work for one of your teammates. So you got to figure out what the the perfect chemistry is. Like when you were just talking about this earlier, I was thinking chicken and rice, rice and chicken, chicken and rice. That was my pre-race dinner every time. And I had six almonds on standby just in case. I'm hypoglycemic, so I know if I, my, if I go up, if I go down, and I want something to, to regulate me, I've got to have it. So six my, almonds would Six do almonds, it. yeah. Mm, and okay. I had a nutritionist tell me that. And it works. For me, it works. Hmm. For other people, they're like, yeah, no, it doesn't work. But you have these rituals or routines. Um, you know, do you have a bath? Do you have a shower the night before? Do you get a massage like you were saying? Um, are you doing a pre-skate? When we were racing, I would always get up early in the morning before breakfast, throw my cycling equipment on, and I jump on the rollers for 20 minutes. Yeah. You do three spin-ups, 10 seconds, boom, it's to get the head going. Because sometimes if you're thinking, oh my gosh, well, I didn't do my skate or I didn't do my ride and I've got a race, you feel at a deficit. So sometimes it's that balance of, you know, keeping the mind happy as well as the body, but it's just a little bit. And you get to know what works for you. And it's it's literally, literally like a formula or a chemistry um, experiment. And you figure out what is optimal. Race day is not the time to try things or game day is not the try time to try. Like, don't go get a new pair of skates. Try them on game day. Like, worst time. Because if they don't work, oh, well, then my skates didn't work and that's what happened. You got to do and set up all these things beforehand. And then it becomes this new habit or this new routine that you've got. And you get so dialed in that... Okay, if I don't have rice and chicken, what's the next best thing? What else can I do? What else could I have? Um, who's around? Who do I need to connect with? I had the ritual of calling my sister. I had big races from, you know, Kuala Lumpur, from Australia. And it was just, okay, that's exactly what I needed. But that was part of my ritual. 
How long were those conversations with your sister? Oh, sometimes 30 seconds. All I needed her was say, all right, go kick some butt, right? Okay. And and it was just knowing that I had somebody in my court, even though they weren't physically there. But yeah. sometimes it's just knowing that you've got that person. It's just they're there. Okay, you got the message. Maybe it was a note. Maybe it was a text. We didn't have a lot of that stuff when I was racing 20 years ago. But it's just those things. There's certain things you look for that are just boom. Okay, this is what I need now. Let's go. Let's do it. And the other thing is I learned you put your shoes in a certain order. So it was always the left foot in first and then the right foot. And it's crazy things like that. You know, some people will call it superstitions, but it's not. It's things are done in a certain way, just like a fighter pilot. You, it becomes automatic that you don't think about it and you know you know what works. Do you still put on your right shoe before your left shoe? Never. It's always the left foot. Oh, it's always left first? Always left. Okay. Even my boots, my shoes, my work boots, uh, running shoes, my flip-flops. So you always put on your left foot? Yep. I've never paid attention. I don't even know about that. Part of me would And think, most people won't. Yeah, part of me would think it's my right, but I'd have to, I'd be curious to see. Because it just, so even when you're not competing now, you still do it. Well, it's just ingrained as yeah. part of what I okay. do, so I don't think about it. <laughs> uh, Lorianne Munzer joins us. Now, the individual part of handling your day, I understood. What I found intriguing from what Coach Woodcroft said was he talked about the standard. You know, worry about the standard we have here as a group. So, yeah. and I know, like, how do you think you can do that? And, and what goes into maintaining a standard? How do you do that in a team sport? Individual, I think it'd be a little bit easier because mm-hmm. it's your standard. How do you think you go about that? And, and is that more of a challenge in a group setting? At first, I would say it's probably a bigger challenge than it is because it is the belief. It's accepting that this is the standard and it becomes the gold medal standard. And then the question becomes, are you playing at a gold medal standard? If you're not, okay, where are you? But where do you want to be? And if you're on a team, everybody has to be in harmony, right? Yeah. And that is when everybody has accepted, or you say in layman's term, you buy into the idea. So your mind will, (laughs) well, you have two choices, either you buy in or you don't, either you do it or you don't. And there isn't a halfway medium. You know, when there's certain lines that click better than others, you take off a player or a player's injured, you, you mix it up. And it really, you got to get back on your feet and you got to start communicating in a different way. But that communication is really, really, really important because we've got different personalities and everybody has a different perspective. So the question is, can you get everybody lined up to the gold standard? That's the easiest way I could think about it. Uh, Text coming in. Wondering from Steve, uh, would you switch it around as a routine breaker to keep your mind open? Can you repeat that again? Would you switch around your routine left to right, right to left Not a to chance. keep your mind open? Not a chance. Okay. Certain things, yes. Certain things like that, no. Okay. When it comes to equipment, absolutely not. Uh, it would be like saying if you're a left winger, I'm a left winger, is giving me a right, right-handed stick. Maybe for practice, for drills, and for playing things. Um, I was at Millennium Place about a year ago, and I was doing my yoga thing, so my eyes were closed, and I heard a guy come in, and he started swinging. He was a golfer. And then all of a sudden, I heard a shift that was really different. And it was like, well, why is there a difference in sound? He had switched hands. So there's a whole different game when you switch sides. 
but when you're going to play a championship game, you want those things to be in order. You, you're you not thinking about the, the little things. Yeah. It's Those things are already in a routine. You've got it. That's it. That's all. You're not even thinking about it because you've got a bigger focus to think about and and worry about. But it's not worrying about. It's you got to let go and you got to let the game unfold and you need to respond versus react. One last one for you, Laurie-Ann. The difference between superstitious and just focused routine. Big difference. Superstitious is normally you're scared about something. Or it's a myth. You've heard it. You've adopted it. And you believe it. What's an example of a superstition for you? (laughs) I was superstitious. I would never take a bath before I raced the next day because my legs are like jello. And the problem was I sat in the tub way too long. So I was like, I'm not sitting in the tub. I'm going in. I'm all business. Let's have a shower. Get ready and go the night before because that was part of my routine. So I was superstitious that, you know, if I had a bath bath, or if I even got into a whirlpool, you know, yeah. and, and just, oh, hot tub, that'd be great. And it is great. But the day before a race, not a chance. Never. Never. Nope. Uh, now, had you done it for five minutes, would it have been okay or would it never be nope. good? It's not at all. It's oh. a non-negotiable. Not okay. at all. No. All right. Hmm. No. Because I, I, I didn't want So when did you switch from going new, knowing that bath to shower? You're all of a sudden one day you're like, oh, I'm out, I'm done, no more baths. Like, how do you come to that point? Well, Saturday night I had a really long, hot bath. It was awesome. Sunday morning I sucked. So I'm just like, I'm not taking that chance. Ah, okay. So I figured it out. You figured it out? And it was like, yeah, no, I won't do that again. Yeah. Now, so. But what was that the reason you sucked? I'm going to tell you yes. Of course. <laughs> No, it wasn't. Yeah. But, you know, it's no, part and parcel. Totally it, yeah. right? Sometimes if you believe it, sometimes that's all that matters when it comes to, to what puts you in the best form. It doesn't harm anyone else, right? So I don't want to say, hey, whatever you believe, that's a lot. Like there's certain beliefs out there. We're talking in sports and athletics and preparation for whatever. If you feel that, man, if I have an orange, I play better than if I have a banana, whatever, right? If totally. that's what you feel, then that's okay. But yep. you you don't want it to be where it starts to, you have to think about, did I do all of my things, right? If it becomes routine where you're not thinking about it, that's probably healthy. When you have to think about it, that's unhealthy? It's a distraction. Okay. So if it's at like just, it's a shinny game, it's not a problem. But if you're talking Stanley Cup, sorry, you're dialed in. It's like when I went to the Olympics, there was no family who came, there was no guests, there was nothing. It was just me. My coach was available on cell phone. It was the other, the other side of the world that I was. So it would be like midnight here. Um, Your coach didn't even come. No, 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 no. He was at the Rose and Crown, <laughs> watching the race. <laughs> yeah, with all my coworkers. Yeah, and then the courier guys. And you wanted that. You didn't want your coach there. Well, number one, we couldn't get him there because we couldn't get accreditation. Number two, I didn't have a budget to do it. Oh, okay. Number three, it was like, well, I would be worrying about where was he if I needed him. How could oh, I get a hold right. of him okay. when he was here? Then we could. You knew where he was. Uh, well, like, just yeah. keep your phone on. Exactly. That was the only rule. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Awesome. Lori, great stuff as always. Have an awesome weekend. We'll tune in with you and Kevin Carey's Monday morning. You betcha. Have a good weekend. That is a two-time Olympian. Lori Ann Munzer joins us every Friday at 3 o'clock. We'll come back. We're going to Ottawa. They got a new owner. What's up with Shane Pinto? We'll find out next on the Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca live on Sports 1440 and Orders Nation YouTube. Pause the Friday. How are you? Welcome back. 
Lots of texts flying in. You can always uh, send emails as well in our Jiffy Lube inbox. Gregor at sports1440.ca or Connor at sports1440.ca. Maybe just send Connor like a... You know, like a positive message. His Chargers haven't won a game yet this season. You know, he's kind of down in the dumps. It's positive Friday. He needs a little pick me up. So, uh, and, and you know what's good news about our new text system is you can actually send photos. No R rated photos. Okay. But you can send photos, screenshots. We've had a few. So there you go. Now let's go around the NHL brought to you by. McDonald's, where uh stop in right now at uh, McDonald's and whew, five dollars, man. You can get you can get premium roasted coffee, you get hash brown, and you get your choice chicken uh chicken or bacon or egg McMuffin right now, only at McDonald's. As uh we are joined by Brent Wallace, the uh host of the podcast, uh uh, him, Bobby Ryan, do it together. Uh, Brent, it's, uh, I guess, I don't know if anticlimactic's the right word, but uh, today it was a big day because it's official, but everybody's known that this was coming. But uh, for Sens fans, and I'm sure for Mr. Ann Lauer, uh, they're pretty excited uh, about this. W- what have you taken away now that it's official and the announcements of kind of the people that are involved in management? What do you see unfolding on the management side moving forward? Uh, good question. First of all, Jason, just congrats on the new show, man. It's nice to hear you back on the airways that way. So uh, that's all. I just want to say. Thanks, man. Positive Friday. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, the uh, it's you know what this this day, although anticlimactic as it is, can't be downplayed how important this actually is, and it's got to be top five moments all time with this franchise. And uh, the the Andlauer Group, I think, won't move as quick as maybe people want. Uh, he's been known to be very patient. So he will come in, assess the situation. And now, for those who don't know, they've added Cyril Leader back as the CEO and president of the organization. Cyril Leader is one of the founding members of this organization. He was there on day one, and he was unceremoniously, I'll say fired, although it was a severance package, if you will, six years ago. Uh, and it's been a dark six years since. And so with him back, it feels like, it's almost like when Simba raises up the do- uh, the lion in Lion King. Uh, all seems right with the world. Um, and so that's what I think you're seeing right now. So changes, there will be some for sure. I think it's going to take a bit here. I think you're going to see Cyril come in. Then he's going to start to assess, make some moves. Who he adds right away, I'm not sure. But we've all heard the Steve Stales rumors, as you guys have heard them in Edmonton. So I think that's a big one that's probably likely to happen. Well, the fact that he's... You know, his name's no longer on any any one of the web pages in Edmonton. Makes it yeah. makes it feel like it's a yeah a foregone I mean, conclusion. I'm not stepping out of bounds here by saying I'm pretty sure Steve Stales is joining the organization. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that is uh, that is a very fair uh, thing to I say. Think, if I'm not mistaken, are they not neighbors in Toronto? Uh, Steve and Michael Landlauer. I think they're neighbors. I, I, I'd heard that. I, I definitely couldn't confirm it, but yes, I'd also yeah. heard that. So that would, you know, what yeah, I, although they haven't given me up their mailing address. No, so no, sure. and not all neighbors get along, so you never know. But uh, yes, no, very true. Something tells me that yeah, they probably know what each other is up to uh, at this point. Yeah. Uh, the big question in Ottawa: Shane Pinto. Uh, you look at the salary cap, you look at maybe what he's looking for, and unfortunately, he doesn't have a massive amount of negotiating rights at this point. So what is the most realistic conclusion 
to this situation? So I know that this, as far as I know, like, I'm pretty confident this ownership group holds Shane Pinto in high regard. Yeah. Uh, and they want him in the lineup. So I, I just think they've waited too long to almost assess the situation or address it. And that they've ha- they've got to move money. There's no other way around it. They've got to find a way, whether that's through waivers. Although if they're going to do it through waivers, they're going to lose key assets. They're not going to put Matthew Joseph on waivers and think someone's going to take them. So uh, they're going to have to do some, get the abacus out and figure out how to move these people around. And I, I don't know. It's going to cost them to make the move because now everybody knows Theodore yeah. ends up against it to try and make this move happen. But Shane Pinto, I would be shocked if he's not there on opening night. Okay. Now the, the one guy, is it too simple to but say? Jason, sorry, yeah. I will just say, I don't mean, he's not being traded. All those rumors, okay. I, I feel 99% confident he is not being traded. Okay. Hmm. I like that. Um, when you look at the one guy who might be traded, when I when I think salary, and I think only one year, like is Kubalik make the most sense here? There's two point five million. Maybe you add a draft pick to it, and you move him out, and the team that takes him only has him for one year. And it's not because they don't like him. It's as you said, you got to figure out a way to move yep. some money. I I think they like him though. I, so I get the sense that he's not on the move now. Anything can happen when you try to. Uh, let's just be honest here. Shane Pinto is more valuable than. Dominic Kubelik is to the Ottawa Senators. That's that's a fact. But I think they really like him. And there has been no discussions or rumors that I have heard that include Dominic Kubelik being moved at the moment. I, they do have – now, you can never have enough defensemen, as everybody says, but they, I feel like they've got to make some decisions on their blue line, and that may be part of a package deal to try and entice someone to maybe take Matthew Joseph, who makes 2.9 or – I mean, yeah, they could move Dominic Kubelik. I just, yeah. I don't think right away that he's the guy they're targeting. So who do you think they are targeting? Oh, well, Matthew Joseph is the easy target. Okay. Uh, third line, the other side of Shane Pinto's uh, wing. So it's right now it looks like it's Dominic Kubelik, Shane Pinto, and Matthew Joseph on the third line. I suspect Matthew Joseph is the one with the tougher contract to move, but he is probably – uh, exhibit A of who they would like to maybe relocate. Uh, Brent Wallace joins us uh, from Ottawa, of course. Uh, Ann Lauer, officially the owner of the Sens today. Shane Pinto still hasn't uh, been able to agree to a contract. What type of number do you think Pinto would come in at when they sign him? Yeah, so I'm always on a player's side of contracts. I always think they should be paid more, which makes me well-liked by the players, not so much by management. But I, I, like two and a half doesn't seem crazy to me. I think he's probably he, – he scored 20 goals last year. Uh, to have a 20-goal scorer as your third-line center who's very smart defensively, he's a very valuable asset. But they just don't have the money. So does he try to do a bridge deal and hope the cap? Obviously, it's expected to go up, sign another deal after. Um, this is a tough year to try and get him signed under. Is it signing bonus maybe? I'm not sure. Uh, but two-and-a-half doesn't seem – crazy to me i like originally i thought he could get closer to three but it seems to be in the two and a half range okay so not not a crazy amount by any, by any stretch of the imagination no. so that's why it would seem uh, doable and i agree with you when i heard the rumors oh they're going to trade pinto i was like what that doesn't uh, no. that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense those those are probably rumors coming from people around the league saying yeah yeah trade shane pinto because i think there'd be lots of teams 
who are interested in him. Um, you know, there's a new ownership. Uh, Ann Lowry came out today, and, you know, he's he's had lots of success in his career. You know, he spoke about how, you know, Toronto and Montreal were in between these two major cities. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind being the underdog, and, and I want to bring things in. He, he, I think he's... He's brought in a different swagger to the organization yep. from an ownership group. Uh, obviously, he has deeper pockets than the the previous ownership group. Where, like, do you see him spending more in management and, and other areas of this organization? And if so, what are they going to be? So, and, and if, you know, when you say that swagger, he brings stability, and I think that's the biggest part. We now understand and we can see the vision that's being laid out with Michael Landlauer because he just wants to win. And he has said this all along. And I remember when he first, the name kind of surfaced, uh, Jason York and I, who's also part of the show with Bobby, we were discussing, like, Michael Andlauer was the best choice that could have been selected for the Ottawa Senators, regardless of all the celebrity endorsements from Snoop Dogg to Ryan Reynolds. He's a hockey guy through and through. As people know, he's part owner of the Montreal Canadiens. He was, he's the owner of the Hamilton Bulldogs. He's been in the AHL. He just wants to win a title. And, and he says, like, it's my passion. I just want to win a Stanley Cup. And uh, I think he will invest everywhere he can. He will, like, Daniel Alfredson will be back in his organization at some point, which is huge. And then there's the rumor about Peter Shirelli, who has moved back to Ottawa. I believe he joins in some kind of senior advisor role at, or something else. I'm not sure what it is yet, but I think he's going to be involved as well. Uh, they will look to add. They've already added a full-time analytics person, which they haven't had yet. Used to just be a part-time person. Um I, I think you'll see some serious beefing up in the front office. Peter Shirelli. Like, I know in Edmonton, that name, like, Oiler fans are just like, they're like, yeah, they're, I get it. they find it laughable. Now, hey, he did have yeah. a really good run in, in, in Boston. There's no debate about it. Like, he built that team, especially their entire back end, right? Started with him bringing Charlie so, with him, and, and, yeah, and, and, so, he, he, and he made some mistakes. Yeah. Like, he, he was good in yeah. Ottawa. He was terrible in Edmonton, and, um, Okay. And I think what was so, frustrating about his time in Edmonton was, like, the moves he made were so, like, I get if you make one bad move, but, he, like, they just compiled, and he, like, not even close to good moves. That's what I think was surprising. Okay. So let me put it to you. I, I understand what you're saying completely. Um, however, and you guys, I think, in Edmonton can relate to Ottawa in that there's been a lot of people talking about moves up here. Dorian may have made that may have been made by someone who writes the check. And so there's a lot of talk about Edmonton that perhaps he wasn't always the guy that were making these decisions and that they were influenced by other people higher up in corner offices. Correct? Am I wrong in, in saying that? Um, no, not not completely. I, I But I just, like Peter Shirelli, I think he, he kind of you know, didn't communicate great with his own people. And then, like, like the... Like his own coach told him, "Don't trade Ryan Strome, man. Like I need a center." And then he didn't listen to him and traded him for Spooner. Yes, that didn't go so well. <laughs> um, but I and I understand people make like mistakes making moves. It's like we're talking about trading human beings around and hoping they fit into all these roles that we expect them to do. But I think that if you put Peter Shirelli in the right position, then he's fine. I think he's okay. a really smart hockey guy. Uh, I, I just, for whatever reason, Edmonton just wasn't the right fit. But when you say... Like when he left Ottawa, Jason, that year uh, during the lockout, and then he goes and, and joins Boston, like he was regarded as the next GM of the Ottawa Senators, and he was well, well-respected throughout the league as, yeah. a, as a great hockey mind. I don't think that he's just lost that. 
I think he's still that guy, and we will see him, if he comes to Ottawa, eventually find that, that way again. What role do you think he would come in in Ottawa? So, I, I, there's two, but I think it's, I think it's senior advisor. Okay. Um, only because I believe Steve Steos is like a president of hockey ops, and then is he the GM? I don't know if he comes in and is the GM. And so there's, there's lots of talk about Matthew Darsh coming in and joining this organization. As far as I know, he's still gainfully employed with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, so I don't know exactly how all the roles shake out. They're still, as far as I know, trying to figure out a role and a title for Daniel Albertson and what he's going to do. So where this all plays out, I'm not sure. And I don't know that, that Pierre Dorian is going anywhere for a few months at least. I, he may stay. He's got two years left on his deal. There's nothing to say that he doesn't fulfill that either. But uh, all signs point to when you become an owner and you've spent, well, a billion dollars. I mean, it's not all his money, but yeah. he owns a billion-dollar franchise. He wants to be surrounded by his people. I think that's just common sense. Yeah, no, that, that's totally valid. That that happens uh, all the time. Lastly, when you look at this Senators team, there's the Sens, there's the Sabres, there's the Red Wings. Then you throw in the Penguins because they didn't make the playoffs. Like, man, it's going to be a tough conference to, to make the playoffs. When you look at Ottawa, do you f- is their blue line good enough? Because I think they got enough good forwards. Is their blue line good enough to be a playoff team this year? See, that's a, and we debate this all the time on our show, is even if it is good enough, and I think this team is good enough to be in the playoffs or push for a playoff spot, who are you taking out? Like, you've got Toronto, Tampa, and I even and Boston. I know they lost a lot of players, but that's still the Boston Bruins. Um, Florida, and then you've got Buffalo, and that's the Atlantic. Detroit, I think they could be better than Detroit. Maybe they're not, but they're close. Like, who are you taking out to be possibly top three? And if not, then the wild card is a you've got a whole other kettle of fish. It, the, for the Ottawa Senators to make the postseason it is going to be a grind. They're going to stay healthy and have a lot of things go right, I think. Yeah, no. But, but I will say that there's the first time there's a really strong feeling in this city that believes that now they're on the right path. Well, they should be an exciting team at bare minimum. Right, uh, yes. I, they've got like yes. Sanderson's excited. I like, I love how uh, Kachuk plays the game. Stutzel, you know. and lastly, Josh Norris. Any concern about him right now, health wise? So, to the naysayer and the and the media guy, in me, I'm like, are you kidding me? Eight months and now he's still not ready to go. Like, what what is going on? But the people I've talked to, uh, which includes players, there's no concern that he's not going to be ready to go uh, now. It might take, I, I guess I have to take the word at it, but uh, it, it seems like it's fine. It's okay. just a minor, trying to hold him out for now. I think that there was a uh, report a couple of months ago, and I'm pretty sure it's from Ladois, that said he likely wouldn't be playing in the first couple of exhibition games. So um, I think this has kind of been a plan all along, even though they said they just tweaked it. I think there's no rush in getting Josh Norris into a preseason game. Awesome stuff, Brent. We really appreciate it, man. Enjoy the pod, and we'll be talking again soon. Have a great weekend. That is uh, Brent Wallace from Ottawa. So Ann Lauer is the new owner. Sounds like he thinks Chiarelli's coming in. And hey, maybe. Now, senior advisor, that's always, how do you evaluate that role, right? That's what's always a challenge. You don't know. But he is right. He had a really good run in Ottawa and Boston, and then the wheels kind of fell off in Edmonton. Like, he had two years of just... Some of the most head scratching decisions ever. Like it, it's almost as like I want a Stanley Cup. I know everything, 
That's why, you know, people can learn from it. Like, if that's the way, like, Peter Shirelli's never, like, he's not a bad human being, right? He just made some bad decisions as a GM. So I could see why. When you consider, you know, other people that got opportunities, hey, he, uh, his opportunity to, to be in the league again is based solely on some bad managerial moves, which happens to a lot of people. He just had a pretty good stretch of it consecutively. It's Around the NHL brought to you by McDonald's. Uh, we'll return. We have uh, Wanya Gretz coming up after uh, 4 o'clock. we got the uh, fantasy uh, report. Uh, Mitchell, Spectre, also Luke Wilson will uh, join us. Talk a little NFL. And uh, we'll hear from uh, some of the uh, Oilers as, of course, uh, day two of training camp. Nothing earth-shattering today other than uh, expect McLeod back sooner than Matthias Ekholm. That's probably the biggest takeaway today from uh, the orders is that uh, McLeod looks to be sooner. The orders, of course, remember tomorrow, 10 a.m., open practice. The scrimmage starts at 11. You can get in, sit in the lower bowl. That's tomorrow from 10 until 1. And then they have their first preseason game on Sunday. Uh, no lineup set yet. If I'm basing things off of last year, I don't know if McDavid will play. Or dry so they might not. They might wait a bit just based on uh, how things unfolded last year. I, I would think kind of three games is likely what you're going to see from McDavid in the preseason. Maybe they stretch it to four, but I could see it being three. We'll come back on the Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Positive Friday on the Jason Greger Show. Welcome back. Alongside uh, Connor Halley, Declan Kruger running things uh, online on the uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, I'm being there. Check it out. Hit the subscribe button. It's always nice. Uh, we'll also uh, give some tickets away there later today. We have loads of texts to get to. 833-401-1440. Here's a few. Hey, guys, uh, would it make sense for Ottawa to structure a Pinto contract similar to Connor Brown's? Lowest possible cap hit with easy-to-acquire performance bonuses. Then negotiate an extension during the season. Pinto gets the money he wants his worth, and Ottawa doesn't have to take a bath trying to dump either a bad contract or decent value player. Uh, well, two things here. Number one, Connor Brown was a very rare exception that he was able to get a bonus-laden contract. The only people that could have bonuses in their contract are either entry-level deals or players who are 35 years of age or older, or a player like Brown who missed basically a full season because he only played four games and was coming off an injury. That's about it. You uh, Shane Pinto doesn't qualify for a, a contract that has bonuses in it, as like 90% of the league don't. So uh, they couldn't look at that, even if they uh, they wanted to. Hey, guys, uh, what do you think is appropriate attire for a diehard Oiler fan to wear to the Canucks training camp and scrimmage tomorrow? My uh, brother and young nephews are going. They're huge Canuck fans. Do I wear a Gretzky jersey, dry saddle McDavid, order shirt, or a hat? Looking forward to coming to Edmonton and uh, watch a game for my home team, Chris in Victoria. You know, Chris, it's an interesting question because this is where I stand and some people can disagree with me. I think, like, I've been to games... In Edmonton, Edmonton is playing the Winnipeg Jets. And a guy's in the crowd wearing a Montreal Canadiens jersey. And I'm kind of like, why? You know what? If he's wearing a hat, I don't think it stands out as much. And you're like, hey, I want to show I'm loyal to my team. I'm not really rooting for any of these teams. 
That's fine. I just, to me, if you go to a sporting event for two teams, but you wear a jersey of other teams in the league, like just me, I could be wrong. But I'm like, no one cares if you're a big time Oilers fan. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I view it. So yeah, I think a hat would be fine. Connor, where do you come out on this? Like, do you, if you go to a Chargers Broncos game yeah. and there's a guy wearing a Jets jersey, you're kind of like, like, why do you need to tell us you're a Jets fan? Well, because you don't want to be loyal to the other two teams playing. So then playing. Just, just wear a t-shirt. You very well could do that. Yeah, yeah 100%. Now, I will say, I went to a uh, Bucks and Washington football team. The and commanders, you wore a Chargers jersey? And I wore a Chargers jersey. And I got, I heard it. And I I took it in stride. I said, hey, that's fine. They were handing out uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers hats as like a fan appreciation. Yeah. So I threw it on. I said, you know what? I'll I'll, I'll wear this. I'm representing the Bucks today. But I'm a Chargers fan, so hmm. you know you got to You have to expect you're gonna to get rasped. Like, and you, you take it in stride. I would do the same. It's like when I go to an Elks game and I see an NFL jersey. It's kind of like, well, what are you doing, man? As long as you can accept that and you're okay with it, yeah. I say where your where your Oilers. So basically, get. you're opening yourself up for grief. yeah. You yeah. got to know what's coming though. Sure. And don't you know if you get chirped, don't be chirping back. Just say yeah, I know. Yeah. I think that's what you got to do. You just got to own it. It's good. Hey, Gregor, you sure did start a heated debate in my group chat on a discussion on not firing uh, Schwartz. Well, yeah, ask the guys in your group chat if they have any actual data to back up the misguided opinion. That's all I ask. Because people say, well, Gregor, why is Schwartz still here? Well, here's the question. Ask yourself, why have none of the head coaches who get to choose their coaching staff wanted to move on from him? Why do people around the NHL speak very highly of him as a goalie coach. You have people who aren't goalie coaches, who don't know the position of goalie, who claim that he's a bad coach because Miko Koskinen didn't turn into an all-star. Miko Koskinen was a 31-year-old player who had never been in the NHL, and the owners signed him because they were desperate to find a goalie. And you're going to blame the goalie coach because this guy wasn't elite? Like, think about how stupid that is. Right? Think about it. So... I don't get it. Right? And everyone's like, well, they haven't developed a young goalie. Yes, they have. It's called Stuart Skinner. Well, because Dylan Wells didn't develop, that means it's terrible? Uh, no. Does that mean your defense coach is terrible because the fifth-round draft pick defenseman that the orders took in uh, 2016 hasn't panned out? I don't think I, I, would, I don't, would hear people say that. Right? I don't get it. So... I think Schwartz has actually developed a pretty good young goalie in Skinner, and they've got uh, Rodri coming. I don't know if he's going to make it or not, but at least he's developing in a good trajectory. So people just like to complain, and I think when they're frustrated, they're like, you know what? I got to blame someone, and that's fine. It's okay, but it's a ridiculous claim when you don't have any data to back it up. So I would just ask them, show me the data. What backs it up? Hey, Mike Smith had career years in Edmonton. Oh, jeez. Goalie coach must be terrible in his late 30s. Stuart Skinner has developed nicely ever since being drafted. And the only goalie coach he's worked with is Dustin Schwartz. So I, I don't get it. That's all. I don't understand it. Hey, Gregor, could Sutter get a deferred bonus-laden contract? Yes. However, why would you give him a bonus? Like, why would the orders do it? Like, like Connor Brown had signed for $3.6 million the year before, right? 
he does it because, A, he gets his money and it kind of helps the orders in the cap situation this year. Like, Sutter's going to get, what, the league minimum? You don't need to give him a, like, why would you make it more? Like, I'm sure he would ask for it, but why, if you were the orders, would you want more dead cap space next year to sign Brandon Sutter, who hasn't played for two seasons? Right? It doesn't, he's, he's not in a position where he's, you know, there's, there wasn't teams lining up to sign him. Connor Brown had lots of teams who wanted to sign him. And he opted to go to Edmonton. He got the money, but he helps them do the cap this year. Now, keep in mind that next year there's probably going to be a lot of bonus overages that hurts the order's cap situation. So. Hey, guys, I think the only time when we're in a jersey of a team not playing is at the Grey Cup or the Super Bowl from Moonwatcher. Hmm. Yeah. I, I could see that. That makes sense, right? Because... Those are tickets that people buy at the start of a year because it's an event and they want to go. You No one knows who's in the game when you buy your ticket. So that's fair. Regular season game, you know who you're going to see, 100%. So I can get it. So The Great Cup just kind of feels like a celebration of Canadian football, right? Like you're partying with people from all the other fan bases, wherever it might be. You're going to the Spirit of Edmonton room, having drinks with people from... Ottawa or whatever. So, yeah, I kind of like to see it there at the Grey Cup. I feel like the Super Bowl is a little bit more commercial, but you still see jerseys from everywhere because, like you said, you're buying the tickets so far in advance just in case your team makes it. It's a little bit more acceptable. Yeah, for sure. Hey, guys, regarding Schwartz, why do other goalies, Tristan Jari this summer, Carter Hart, uh, use him as a goalie coach when training the offseason? Diaz from the bridge. Hey, Diaz, whoa, 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 you're making too much sense now. Right, The anti-Schwartz crowd, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to deal in rational thought. They just want to yell, fire him, because it makes them feel better. So, just how it goes. Hey, Gregs, wear whatever jersey you want for whatever reason. Wear Blue Jays jersey in order game. Who cares? Victor. Well, Victor, you cared enough to text in. So you slightly care. <laughs> like I said, people want to do it. Go right ahead. Chris asked for my opinion. I gave him my opinion. I would just wear a hat. I wouldn't wear I wouldn't wear a jersey. Like plus it's like a scrimmage game, right? Now, if you went to a Flames Canucks game and you wanted to rile up the fan base, sure. But then keep in mind you might have to deal with a few of the less than intelligent fans. That's always the uh you know, there's always that part of it. So we'll see. Connor. I'll be at U.S. Bank on Sunday cheering for your Chargers. Can't stand the Vikings <laughs> from C. Patrick. Now, I wonder. Are they going to get a win this week? No, of course not. They're going 0-3. They're going to go 0-3. Well, see, that, are you saying that because you really want Staley to get fired now? Like, I think you've jumped, which is okay. No. But you're fully on the fire, Brandon Staley, yeah. right now, aren't you? I am, yes. I would rather the Chargers win. Then, you know, lose okay. just okay, to get rid of the head fair. coach. I'd rather them, yeah, if they can rattle off, you know, 15 straight wins, that'd be fantastic. But <laughs> I just don't see it. And they're just, their defense doesn't adapt. And you're going up against a good coach with the Vikings. I feel like their secondary is going to get shredded. But so the question is, can't stand the Vikings. So he's cheering on my Chargers. Who is C. Patrick's team? And will he wear a jersey or a hat? Oof. Let him know, see Patrick. That's a, a great stadium, though. It's going to be a fun game. The environment there is wild. Eight three three four zero one, fourteen forty, is the text line. Let's get to the con man and a sports fourteen forty update brought to you by B I E Engineering.
Specializing in all your residential, commercial, and industrial structural engineering needs. Go to B-I-E-E-N-G dot com.